Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Sudan Archives is my first guest this week. She's been making music all her life. She grew up in Ohio, where she played violin and sang in church and school bands. Her stepdad was a label guy. He tried to make a pop duo out of Sudan and her twin sister, but it didn't take. Sudan needed to do her own thing, to be an artist in her own right. So when she got her high school diploma, she headed out to L.A., She started hanging out at a club called Low End Theory, home to beatmakers like Flying Lotus, Daedalus, and No Such Thing. It was there, at Low End, that she found her voice as an artist. Sudan Archives is a violinist who, I mean, of course, breaks new ground with what that instrument can do in pop music. But she's not just a violinist. It's only one color from her palette, one arrow in her quiver. When that fiddle combines with her voice, her beat making, her songwriting, Sudan Archives makes mesmerizing music. Stay out of my flight path. Never feeling lonely, only gliding, flying, always being constantly reminded. Time is running up, don't wish your luck, sucker. This is my life, don't mix that up. This is my life, don't block the sun. This is my seat, can't you tell? This is my time, don't waste it up This is my land, not for sale That's not for sale Sudan Archive's breakthrough single off her 2018 EP, Sync. Her newest record is called Natural Brown Prom Queen. It came out this fall. She recorded it at home during the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's listen to a single from that record, Selfish Soul. Sudan Archives, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have you on the show. Hello. Your hands are facing me. Are those tattoo tattoos or henna tattoos on your hand there? Tats. All the way up both of your arms. Yeah, I'm about to get tatted all over too. Like, I used to think that I was going to go to hell if I ever got tattoos. But, yeah. When you say that, do you mean that sincerely? Did you sincerely believe you I would sincer- go to- I sincerely believed I was going to go to hell. Like, I was a super church girl. But that's not true. I'm not going to go to hell. And I really love tattoos. I want, I don't really like jewelry because I lose it. So, like, I want to adorn my body and not have to worry about, like, losing it. So what have we got going on here? I see a jellyfish on one side. Is that what that is? Yeah, this is a jellyfish. So I realized I'm doing, like, land, water, fire, all like, the elements or something. Because, like, this arm is a tree. It's an inverted tattoo, so the skin is the art. 
So you see like a branch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then this one's a jellyfish. I think I'm going to get my chest piece. So you say you were a heavy churchgoer. How heavy are we talking about? How Three serious? Three times a week. I Bible study, choir rehearsal, Sunday. So that's like three times a week. Yeah. And was that your folks doing? Yeah. They're like, my dad was like a pastor at one point. So yeah, I was like a preacher's kid. What did that mean to be a preacher's kid? Read the Bible, write stories about it. Wait, write stories about the Bible? Like read the Bible and then like write, like summarize what you read in your own way. Okay. Not like a thing where Buffy and Willow kiss. <laughs> no. Like a thing where, uh, <laughs> not like <laughs> an alternate ending to the David and Goliath story or something. No, but yeah, I was like, not really like, when I started playing like violin in the choir, that's when I actually started liking it though. Because aside from that, I would just be in the back just chilling. You picked up the violin at school, right? Yeah, like I started in school. Then we moved around a bunch of times. Then then they never had orchestra. So then I just kept playing in church, basically. Were you moving around because your dad was a pastor or because of money stuff? or Money stuff. Basically, my dad sold cars. And my mom, like, she was, like, working in insurance or something at the time. They just basically kept making hella money. And then they just wanted us to, like, they kept upgrading their life. And they wanted us to be in the best schools. So it just, like, I don't know. It just got more suburban and suburban and suburban. Were you going to church three times a week the whole way through into your teenage years and everything? Yeah, until, like, I moved when I was 19, you know. Were you a firm believer that whole time? Yeah, like, it was just, like, installed in me. And then I just started, like, doing psychedelics and, like, going to experimental shows and raving. And then I just kind of, like, it opened me up. And I was just like, yo, I'm about to move. <laughs> that's not that's not unfair. What did you do with a violin in choir at church? I was basically like they were like I was just soloing. Like I they basically learned songs that had violin in it. So I would just play those songs. I would just teach myself how to like play those songs and I think that's how I just learned how to just be very like improvy and learning, you know, like in the church, in the black church, like, they just let anybody go up there, and they can sound, like, horrible. They're just like, yes, Lord. So for years, I, like, sucked. Like, it was like, I don't know how they dealt with that. What songs that you would sing in a church choir have a violin part? Okay. When we pray, we believe, we receive what we have in this hand. Ah, ah. And then there's this violin solo that goes like, and then they sing that part again. Did you have an aspiration with the violin? I mean, did you think you were going to be a a concert violinist, or did you think you were going to work in the touring company of Riverdance, or did you think? Yeah, I definitely think I was not going to be in no orchestra, but I was I was feeling some river dance. I was thinking maybe I'm going to be like a fiddler on the roof and I'm going to be playing all these fiddles and I'm going to be jigging around. Yeah. Was that something going on in Cincinnati where you grew up? Like were there Yeah, that was something going on. <sighs> are we talking about are we talking about country like We're talking Appalachian about music We're talking fiddling? about we talking Irish about... jigging. Yeah, for real Irish jigging. We're talking about jigging. There's this little town in Ohio called Wyoming. 
and that's where I first picked up the instrument. They had like fiddle club stuff, and you know, they just, there was a fiddle club. Yeah, there was an after school program called Fiddle Club. No. Yeah. For real. And I was fiddling. Okay. Yes. And I remember I was so sad because I moved, and then they, I never had like any kind of like classes or anything to go to, so I just kept playing in church. But yeah, I had a little taste of that. And the fiddle club was was it like with step dancers with ribbons on there? It was like we're and... walking around, okay? We're two stepping. We're playing the fiddle. We're jigging. And then we're learning how to like improv in the songs we learn. And then that's all I remember. And then I and then I left. So when did you figure out that your violin was useful for something other than church? Irish folk music, and what if I was in an orchestra? When did I realize that? Yeah, well, that it was that it was good for other stuff too. Oh, exactly. Really early because I had the fiddle, the fiddle experience at, at such a young age. So I started to like just YouTube a lot of like fiddle stuff. So I learned about like African fiddling and how the Irish jig music I liked because it was like basically like in me, like African fiddle or something and they basically have their traditional songs and it's like wild and like beautiful like the irish jig music and then i just discovered so much more playing in sudan and in czech and just everywhere then i realized oh like violin is like a culture depends on where you're at and you don't have to just do it in this white way like in the classical orchestra just playing all these people's musics you can kind of like you can branch out you can do it in your own way and it's been done already actually so let's start with you said Czech. Yeah. What's going on in Czechoslovakia? Well, there's this artist named Eva Batova, and she is like the Bjork of violin. Like one of her first, if you go on Spotify, like the very first album, she's just like singing and playing violin. And it's like very like, really cool. I don't know. Stuff like that. You find people like that and then you're like, oh, I don't have to be in an orchestra. I can just do what I want to do. What was the incident that got you out of the house? Like out of? Out of Cincinnati. I told you I was doing psychedelics and I was like, I'm going to tell I and just be free and live on the ocean and do open mics and get a job. Did you know somebody? Oh, yeah, I knew Cat 500. So basically, I was like pen pals with Cat 500 on SoundCloud, and we both thought each other were men. So we were like messaging each other like, hey, dude, you want to like jam from a block? Yeah, come to L.A. You want to like play dub lab with me? I was like, what is dub lab? Yeah. So I flew out. Then I stayed with her. And then I just never came back. Mm. Where were your folks in this? They were at the house. They were like, why are you leaving? <laughs> just stay here. I was like, I got to go because y'all telling me I can't go out late. My curfew's like 9.30 or 10 or something. Some crazy time. Like, How, you, And you're, you're an 18-year-old or something? Yeah, something like that. 17, 18, 19, you know. I'm like, look, y'all, no. And they're like, if, you, if you're not going to respect the rules, you got to get out. So I'm, I'm leaving. Y'all, I'm going to L.A., though. It's, it's sunny. Even more still to come with Sudan Archives. Stay with us. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. 
Manolo, guess what? Manolo, guess what? 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 After Game Show has made it to 100 episodes on Maximum Fun. Oh, that's true. I knew that. Well, to celebrate, we are releasing our entire Earwolf archives to Max Fun members. That's anyone who gives five dollars or more monthly to support podcasts like After Game Show. That's 63 episodes with in-studio comedian guests like Jason Manzukas, Bowen Yang, and Matt Rogers, Joe Para, Todd Berry, and Janine Garofalo, Connor O'Malley, Chris Guthrie and more. Plus three bonus episodes that include two pilot episodes. Wow, two pilots must be good. Find the feed at MaximumFun.org slash BOCO B-O-C-O. Stands for bonus content. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, my guest is Sudan Archives. She is a violinist, a singer, a songwriter, Born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, she now lives in Los Angeles. Her most recent record is called Natural Brown Prom Queen. Here's another song from it. This is Chevy S10. They don't want with the hello low. Only call you when they feeling low. Only judging cause they time is slow. Only hate it cause you icy as snow. You had a stepfather who had been a record producer and was like recording music with you and he they were still on the you gotta be home by ten situation? Exactly. Like it just wasn't adding up. Like I was like, I don't know. Like he wanted us to like focus on our craft and stuff, but it was just like the rules around it were a little bit too tight for me. Cause I'm I'm still like a teenager. I'm still trying to like like, I want to do music, but I don't have to do it this way. I just know. I just need to figure out what it is. Right. Like, it sounds like your stepfather knew very well Elaine. Yes. He had worked for LaFace, one of the most important urban record labels in yeah, like American he, history. Like, he came over with Babyface, and then he was like, perform for them. And I was just like, no. It was, like, really bad. Wait, Babyface came over to your house? Yeah, because, you know... He was married to um, my stepdad's sister at one point. So they're, like, kind of close. You know, they still, like, when they're, and they're in town, I think he's doing a show. So then he just stopped by and said hi to all the family, you know. And your stepdad was like, go go get your violin. Let's do this. Yeah. And you didn't? I did it with Catherine, yeah. And it was like, I in my head, I was like, That's I That's your not... twin sister? Yeah. It was just bad. Why was it bad? Because I just didn't, I didn't like the songs we were doing and stuff. And I just felt like, uh, so nervous. I don't feel like doing this. This doesn't feel, this feels weird. Were you making music out of the house besides that when you were still in Cincinnati? Yes, I was. So I was doing that with my twin. And then I just kind of was like hanging out with like a group of rappers and like going to like this night called Synthesizer Nights. That was the first time I saw SP404. And then from there, that's when I discovered, oh, I want to make music like this. Like, be in control of the the production and kind of, like, I guess it's, like, experimental music in a way. Like, you know, I was going to all these experimental shows. It's, like, not—it's, like, hands-on. What's an SP-404? It's a drum machine, and you can, like, make beats on it, and you can also, like, put backing tracks on it, and you can, like, affect— a lot of the sounds like you can put a lot of crazy effects on them 
And then you can also put a microphone in it or an instrument in it. You can, like, mess with that, too. So, basically, I started, like, getting gear like that and, like, the looper. Once I got the looper, then I discovered I can be my own orchestra and layer loops of loops and loops of violin and kind of, like, just perform like that. To what extent were the people around you in that scene making beats, like making music that you would call hip-hop? And to yeah. what extent were they making weird noises? They were just going in. They were, like, all of these, like, dope black men, like, doing cool shit. They were, like, uh, the Blackie was his name, and then Kafari was throwing synthesizer nights. He, like, made Homemaker and Freakalizer with me. He, like, I took some of his piano samples. But they were inspired by, I think, the L.A. experimental beat scene. They would, like, talk about, like, low in theory and stuff. They would, like, make—they would be inspired by, like, you know, Jay Dilla and stuff like that. So they were making, like— these really cool like hip hop beats and they were like really good and they were just like that's all they would do so when you got to LA did you have a plan yeah I really didn't get I just didn't care I just wanted to go to LA go to college and maybe get some good grades so I could transfer to a you know a music college or something and that's what I was gonna do and I was just gonna like live and be an independent person you know so let's talk for a minute again about what kind of violin stuff you heard that you were into? So we talked about Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Right? There's a variety of kind of violin-y instruments in West Africa, right? Yeah. There's gojis. There's rittis. There's a lot of, like, one-string fiddles that I would say are, like, the first violins. They're, like, Stone Age violins that have been, like, invented, you know, a long time ago. And the way that they play... It reminds me of fiddle music. It's like they play, they make it seem like they're playing on like a violin, but it's really a one string. So when I discovered that music, it really inspired the songs like Come My Way. Because like, it's just like wild riffs. Yeah, that was like a huge like moment discovering African fiddles. So yeah, skip that. In Sudan, they're actually playing the violin, but they're doing it in their own way and like their music is just so good and there's like really really strong violin culture there and it's like it really like fascinated my mind that there's strong black violin culture like even as like during slavery there was a lot of like fiddlers and stuff and like I read that if you were like a fiddler you were worth more <laughs> it's trippy but um yeah african american fiddle music like there's some music like that and then there's west african goji fiddles from like the northern ghana and there's like traditional sudanese violin music and there's like ethiopian violins And all around Africa, there's basically, there's these, like, one-string fiddles, and then they also play violin. And, like, when I discovered all that, I just felt, like, seen or something, because I was like, oh, like, I'm not the only black person in my orchestra. I'm just, like, in a place right now. And I need to just, like, find my sound. Yep. You're not the only one where you are. You're one of many. You just happen to be 6,000 miles away. Exactly. Like... (laughs) I'm not an enigma. 
can just <laughs> Can you cuss one here? I mean, we'll beep it out. Oh. I can't imagine we'd cut that. It was too good. <laughs> we'll have to beep it, I think. How important is it to you that your music jams? Like, how important is it that it's danceable, that it's like... Yeah, it's, like, really important. Like, it has to bop. Like, I will make a beat all year just making sure, like... It would be, like, a really, like, beat. But I will, like, make sure I got the swing right. And then it's bops. And, like, the ideas are there. And then, like, I'll, like, get other people to, like, redo the bass line or this or that. But it's, like, it has to have some feeling, you know? Because it's not a natural... It's not an easy, obvious instrument, the violin, to make bang you know what i mean like exactly in, in western pop music in western often pop, yeah. it's, it's it's not banging corny, it's corny fill right it's not banging and like that's what i'm saying i discovered it bangs the fill used to be the the music that you go in a club and it's the filler and everybody's just is raunchy like little raunchy hot little pub thing <laughs> and that's what i'm doing but in a black girl way <laughs> You know, I your music because I'm old. Your music makes me think a little bit of Timbaland. Oh yeah, I love Tim. Look, I love Timbaland. Timbaland, I love you. I love you too, Timbaland. <laughs> like I low key like that error probably was the aside from like all the stuff I was doing going to shows. That error is I'm trying to be like that. Well, I mean that is the. The that of that era is basically Timbaland. <laughs> yeah. not much. Either. Yeah, like, I just want to be like Timbaland. <laughs> I want to be like Timbaland. I want to be like Timbaland. And I'm going to be like Timbaland. And Timbaland, yeah. Now you know. Timbaland made a record with Bubba Sparks that I really love that has a lot of fiddles on it. Oh, I'm not, I have not heard that. They're fiddle fiddles. Like, he, he used a lot of pretty straight country music in making the beats. And I think that must be why it reminds me of your music, that mm. like the idea of taking these sounds and yeah. turning them into dance sounds. Right. And like urban dance, like you, there yeah. are things about the kind of Irish jig kind of yeah. dance music, but there's also like hip hop beat aesthetics that you make the sounds into. Yeah, like I'm sampling myself all the time. I'm basically getting high, playing violin, Putting a bunch of like guitar pedals through it. Oh, that's weird. And then I'm resampling that and then making it bop. <laughs> what kind of getting high are we talking about? What, is, I what are the love paths weed. Here? Yeah. And I love psychedelics. Psychedelics is going to heal the world. Every black person should do psychedelics because we're already just so traumatized. We need to do psychedelics. Actually, everybody just needs to do psychedelics. What did your Be Home by 10 family think about all that? I don't even think they knew I was on these things. She thought I was out there just having sex and stuff. But I was discovering God in a way I've never... You know, I was talking to God. <laughs> and now I talk back to my mom. I'm like, did you know I was doing shrooms and stuff? She was like, no. But then I kind of got hip and then it's like, there's nothing I can do. And I was like, yeah, you're right. There's nothing you can do. But now we... Hills her disc like back thing that she has and she you know it helps her back and i just think it's so funny 
that all of my, like, family members are asking me to send them, like, weed and stuff, the weed cream, because they all, like, got, like, aching body stuff, you know? And now it's just funny because y'all was judging me. Y'all was, like, really judging me, though. And now you're doing what I'm doing. (laughs) In this new record, there's a lot of you trying to figure out what home is and create home. Um, There's a great song on here called Homemaker that is sort of mixed up bowl of different of those different feelings. Yeah. Was that partly about, you know, a lot of us were just in our houses yeah. a lot. Yeah. My home looked like an IKEA trap house before COVID happened. And then when COVID happened, I actually had time to decorate. I started doing stuff. Ooh, it's a vibe now. So then I made that song because I was like, won't you step inside my house? Because, you know, I was like, I was like, I want someone to come over. Like, it's so cute. <laughs> and I remember, like, that was the first song I made on the album. And then I knew from there, I was like, this album is going to stem from that song. And that's when I, uh, yeah, I remember, like, making it and starting with the claps. And, like, remember I started getting a bunch of plants. So I just started singing about the stuff in my house. Was it really truly like a look around, <laughs> start singing about the first four things you see? Was it? No, because I was in the basement and I was talking about what was upstairs. I was just, but I had just bought a wall mount for my plants. So I was probably just singing about that. Like, just probably just singing about what was on my mind. Like, kind of freestyling it and then finished it. Yeah. There is also a lot on this record about like home beyond the physical place. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I imagined you must have been thinking as you were sitting in an apartment or recording in a basement in L.A. about what you had left in Cincinnati, right. whether that, what you wanted from there, whether you wanted to be there. Yeah. I knew a lot of people who moved home during the pandemic from places yeah, like too. New York. And, and I'm like, I'm from San Francisco. I can't afford to move home. <laughs> But, <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't go home. But, you know, everybody moved to upstate New York or whatever because they reevaluated their lives. Did you have that feeling as somebody who had so rejected yeah, where you were from? Exactly. No, I was like, look, I'm not going back or I'll turn to stone. Okay? So I'm going to ground myself even if it kills me. What was your sister's role in all of this? Because you have a twin sister with whom you had made music when you were teens. Yeah. She was back in Cincinnati? Yeah, she, like, moved back to Cincinnati because, like, her lease was up. So she was like, I'm going back to Cincinnati at this time. So she just moved back to L.A. right now. So we live four minutes away from each other. So she was just in Cincinnati that whole COVID time. So that really, I had, so I had, like, no family. I was just like, look, I'm going to make a home. I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to hold down the fort. Had you been as close with her as people imagine twin siblings to be? Yeah. Like, we get close, and then we hate each other, and then we get close, and then we hate each other. 
Right now, we're close. I basically forced her to come on tour with me and quit her job and do the merch. What's it like to have your sister on tour with you uh, selling tapes and LPs in the back? It was, like, amazing. She basically was, like, the best. She drove most of the time and was slinging the merch. And then we just slept in the rooms together, saved money. My wife and her sister will sleep in a bed together in a, at a moment's notice. You couldn't pay me enough to get in a bed with my brothers. They smell terrible. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love them very That's much. That's hilarious, yeah. <laughs> I love them so much. But She was doing really good on tour. Like She works really well under pressure. It was great. Everyone kept thinking it was me, though, when they would walk in. They would hug her, and she'd be like, I'm not Sudan. Are the two of you identical? No. <laughs> you know how people be. You're talking about white people? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They think everybody looked the same. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> oh, my God. But I'm a visual person, so I could never... I When I see a face, like twins, identical... I can tell them apart because they act different. They're like moving different, like, you know? Well, your sister could be on stage with you. She could. I keep telling her, you better learn to feel again because you could come out, we could do a little thing. So the plan is for her to learn the fiddle so she can do your fiddle parts so you can do more arm dancing? Well, I was thinking. You know how dudes be on stage with the guitar? They got a backup guitar. Like, somebody can hold me down while I go like, nah, 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 nah. And someone's like, and I'm like, and she's just like. Sure. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Really does. You got to just save your money and hire uh, Miri Binari, the hip-hop violinist. Oh, my God. That's just a funny story. That's the first CD that my Uncle Ted gave me, he bought my violin, and he gave me a Mary Benari City. And that was the first time I saw a violinist doing their own thing. And I was like, oh, oh, I can be like that. Do you like working the road? I mean, I really like it because basically, and I don't like it because I'd be missing home, but I really like it because I basically practice the violin a lot. When I'm on the road, it's like that's the time where I'm, like, really serious about practicing scales and stuff. Like, for every song, I made, like, an exercise sheet that has, like, Chevy is in this song, in this scale. Here are the exercises. I practice it. And, like, I just feel like I love playing the violin. I love learning the violin. And I love knowing, like, ooh, I'm getting better. Because it's been a slow growth for me. Like, I haven't been, like, you know, it's been very, like, free form and just... Kind of like just live experiences really just have trained me. But right now I'm in my like routine bag where I feel like I could like stay the same or I could just go crazy. I imagine it's a very different kind of skill to play your records when you are making your records and to play them on a stage that like because... Your sound is so much about manipulating the sounds that the violin makes. You know, you might just be standing there playing the same four notes 20 times until they sound exactly the right kind of way you want them to sound. There's a very different skill than going on stage and playing a whole thing straight through. Yeah, I know. 
So I got these exercises that basically helped me. It's like these crazy exercises. And my music and my melodies are really simple, but I'm like now trying to like practice these like intricate scales. So when I'm on stage, it just feels like I can do it and sing at the same time. Like it's like nothing. Well, I'm trying to get to that point, but it's kind of working. And um, it's kind of fun. Like even songs that don't have violin, I've like created violin things to play. And it's just like really fun. I don't know. I just love violin. So when you're on stage and you're performing, do you have a band these days? Well, right now I just have like a Moog player who plays samples on the SPDX and drums, stuff on it. And then I have my SP404 that I do samples, melodic samples on and play the violin. And it's been banging because bass is important in my music. And now when you walk in my show, you hear and feel the bass shaking your heart up. And I'm just like, yes. But in L.A., I had my homie play guitar on Chevy S10. He, like, produced some of the songs with me. And it looked so good, a three-piece, too. So I feel like what I really want is, like, a drummer that knows Ableton really well, the same bass player who samples stuff, and then me. And that'll be the complete trio. We'll wrap up with Sudan Archives after a quick break. When we return... How does she imagine herself in 20 or 25 years? Maybe like playing violin on Saturday Night Live when Puffy does that that Led Zeppelin cashmere song? Something like that? Well, anyway, we'll find out. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Presenting the new MaxFunStore.com. We've got shirts for your torso, hats for your head, drinkware for your finest beverages, and so much more. Starring your favorite Max Fun shows with new and classic designs. Find the perfect gift for the podcast fan in your life. Heck, that could be you. We're not judging. Head to MaxFunStore.com now. That's MaxFunStore.com. I'm Jesse Thorne. This is Bullseye. My guest is Sudan Archives. Are there like uh, electronic music, violin club meetups? Like, do you ever like have lunch with Laurie Anderson? Um, no, but I do. I did kind of meet up with a. Uh, oh, Laura Escuda. Yeah. So basically, she is like a play. She's the owner of this like playback company. Like, she'll do playback for, like, Kanye West and, like, stuff like that um, back in the day. But um, she knows everything about Ableton and violin. And I do know this guy, Trevor Noah, who's, like, he is just like that. So when I find people like that, I definitely try to, like, meet up with them. And I'm just like, you want to talk about violins, but electronic violins and dirty stuff? And can you low-key, like, help me make it? There was a dude in my neighborhood when I was a kid in um, the Mission District in San Francisco who would wear like a kind of like a loincloth, sort of like you might see an Aztec dancer wear. Hmm. And he was, I think, multi-ethnic, but probably read as African-American and had big, long braids that he wore up above his head and so he would just be wearing this loincloth and boots and he had these big intense i googled a picture of him so i could show him to you Mm -hmm. 
had these big, intense braids up on top of his head. And his name was Thoth. And he'd just be jamming out on the street. And then one time, I think he won an Oscar or something. I think there's like a documentary about him that that won an Oscar or something. But anyway. Oh, wait, I can look that up. Yeah, that dude, that dude would just be Thoth. Yeah. I Googled Thoth because I was like, I think that guy's name was Thoth. And it was. It was Thoth. That's amazing. S.K. Thoth, or often just Thoth. He's a New York-based preformance artist. Preformance? What does that even mean? It's his eclectic mix of violin, voice, and dance performance. Hell the hell yeah. It's pretty badass. I mean, the other thing about him is he's only wearing the loincloth, and he only wears a loincloth very well. He looks like a million dollars only wearing a loincloth. He's pretty yoked. Pretty handsome guy, Thoth. So Thoth was the god of the moon, it says. Yeah, you got to search for Thoth violin or something. So he looks like the god, like the Thoth god. Sort of does. Sometimes he wears a cool dress. Here's one with him wearing a cool dress. Oh, my God. He looks pretty good in that. This is crazy. This is crazy. I'm just going to talk about Thoth now. It's going to be you and Laurie Anderson and Thoth having your uh, crazy violin club. Yeah, I really want to like start like a weird little meetup thing. That would be cool. Do you have a dream goal? Do you want to be a MTV pop star? I want to learn the violin. Like I want to be so good on the violin. I don't really care about anything else. I just want to be so good. You know, I want to master my instrument, and that's never going to happen, but yeah. What does so good mean for you? I want to know a lot of, like, material that I like. I want to learn it. And I also want to be able to understand the theory of music and my music specifically. I want to be able to, like, just be able to play any scale right now and and actually understand what that means. I think that would be pretty cool. Could you see yourself 10 years from now being Miri Benari, the hip-hop violinist? Like, can you see yourself being a person who's like, whoever the big national headliner of urban music is, you're the one that goes on tour with them and plays the violin parts? Or is it going to be your thing? I don't know. I think if it's like a dope thing, then yeah, maybe. But I always wanted to just be like in a band where people are screaming. (laughs) <laughs> like and be that violent it's like like looking hot in the corner like <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is wondering Sudan Archives just offered a a sort of physical interpretation of ripping out a sweet violin solo sort of like Eddie Van Halen style <laughs> I think that'd be so dope my friend Karan said she wants to start a band and she wants to scream and I, I told her I'd be in it this could be big. Yeah, I think it's going to be big. Do you go to church now? No, I don't go to church. Do you think about it ever? Yeah. Seems like I just don't ever have time, to be honest. Do you think you would if you had time? Yeah. Why not? I also will go to the mosque. Try it all out. Do you believe in the 
same kind of God that you believed in when you were 14? Yeah, I mean, subconsciously, yeah, like, it's all the same to me. So, yeah. Definitely feel like I'm a little ant, and the world is bigger than, than me. And then there's the ocean. And that's God. Like, if you don't think that, then that's cool, but that's what I think, and I think that makes me sleep good. <laughs> A hundred percent, I thought that you meant that you think of yourself as an ant, A-U-N-T, like a fun ant, like an auntie, <laughs> like you're going to have nieces. No, like I'm a little ant bug. Like I'm, the, them to I'm an ant to this world, and I am humbled by my experience. Well, Sue Dan Archives, I sure appreciate you taking the time to be on Bullseye. It was really nice to get to talk to you. Thank you. I was, I was like really nervous. It's going to be okay. And I hope I didn't say anything crazy, but I just have to be myself. So, bye, NPR. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Sudan Archives. Her great new album is called Natural Brown Prom Queen. It's out now on vinyl and digital. Go get it. It's really something else. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. This week, here at my house, I planted three trees uh, out front. And man, that was a lot of digging, not least when we found a gargantuan rock about six inches under the ground where one of the trees was going. And me and my neighbor, Ruben, who I found out is about to turn 80, had to get two of his enormous crowbars. I mean, I'm talking about like five foot long crowbars to jack this thing out of the hole. It was rough, but we got that tree in there. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producers are Jesus Ambrosio and Richard Roby. Our production fellow at MaxFun is Tabitha Myers. We get booking help from Mara Davis. Our interstitial music is by DJW, also known as Dan Wally. Our theme song is called Huddle Formation, written and recorded by The Go Team, thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for letting us use it. If you're in the UK and you happen to be listening to this, The Go Team are about to hit the road there in the UK, and uh, it's it's a killer show, so you should go see it. 
Bullseye is also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us there, follow us, we'll share with you all our interviews, and I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.